This is my mum and dad's story. It was their honeymoon. They married in August 1980 in Australia, and they were driving along the Bruce Highway into a city called Rockhampton in Queensland. It was late at night, around 8pm-ish, and they'd been driving most of the day. There is a very long stretch of road before you come into the city that's just bush, kilometres of it. At night, the bush can be very scary. They had not passed cars for some time, probably an hour or two. Out of nowhere, headlights appeared a long way behind them in their rearview mirror. That's fine, whatever. They keep driving as normal. Then the headlights start getting closer and closer. Dad is driving and says something like, What a bloody turkey. Look how fast he's driving. The car comes right up to them with their high beams on and follows them for about five minutes like that. Mum and Dad have a conversation about why can't the person just overtake them. Then the car completely backs off, like slows right down, almost to a complete stop, and hangs back about one or two kilometers away for a good 15 minutes. Mum and Dad both think it was super weird and creepy, but whatever, they just keep driving. Then the car speeds up again, tailgating, high beam, and sort of swerving into the other lane as if to try and overtake them. This goes on for another five-ish minutes. Mum and Dad are both really scared now. Remember, this is the days before mobiles and all that sort of stuff. And besides, there would have been no reception in that era to call for help anyway. It's not over yet. The car backs off again, but not as far as before. The car hangs back for about a minute before hitting the gas and absolutely flying past my mum and dad and finally overtaking them. There appeared to be one person in the car, but they couldn't really see what they looked like. There was also no number plate on the car to identify it. And I know Dad has told me heaps of times before, but I can't actually remember what sort of car it was. I feel like it was sort of a sedan or something, definitely white. And the car disappears up the road as if it was never there. Mum and Dad are shaken to their core, but pleased it was seemingly over. It wasn't done yet. The road now becomes a bit more windy. Previously, it was almost straight. Mum and Dad come around the corner, and a car is parked in the middle of the road, facing them, high beams on. Both driver and passenger doors were wide open, and the man, they can now see it was a man, standing in front of the car with his arms spread wide, spread as if to make them stop the car. Mum was screaming at Dad, just hit him, don't stop, just hit him. And my dad didn't stop and drove around the man's car on the right hand side of it, which was the passenger side, as it was parked facing them. The man tried to get in front of my dad, I assumed to stop him from driving off, as he made his manoeuvre, but couldn't quite get there in time. He was very close to my dad's car and my dad nearly hit him. My dad absolutely floored it, he said he was doing around 130 to 140 kilometers per hour to get away from this man. They aren't quite sure how long they drove like that for, but they didn't slow down to the speed limit until they started coming to the city limits. They made it to the hotel and parked the car at the back of the hotel, so you couldn't see it from the road because it was on the side of a highway and passing traffic could see the cars parked there. My mum was quite hysterical and told the reception lady what happened. They called the police and reported it, but they never found the driver. Nearly done. <laughs> Fast forward many years later, my mum was watching the news and Ivan Millat had just been arrested. Mum screamed and called dad into the lounge room. They both agreed it was a man they saw. They were absolutely adamant. I can't find evidence to suggest that Ivan Millat was active in Queensland during the time, but I certainly won't call mum and dad liars because of what they saw. I imagine it was a very creepy hillbilly who looked very similar to Mr. Backpacker Murderer. During university, I had a slew of creepy encounters. This has stuck with me as the most. 
It started during my first class. One day, a group of us walking together along campus, and slowly members began branching off. It ended up as just myself and a guy who I was not inclined to befriend. I only knew his name, but I didn't want to be rude and not willing to keep walking with him. He asked me where I'm going, and I tell him I'd normally take a nap between classes, and I was going to my dorms. He asked if he can see my suite. Normally, this would be a no-brainer red flag, but my particular building was renowned for being fancy, and others frequently asked to see inside. I say sure, not wanting to be mean, and thinking this guy will take a quick look around and give the typical jealous comments, then leave. We go inside, and I show him the basics, doing so, so we end up back at the entrance of the suite. This whole time, he's not saying much, and I'm only announcing things dearly. This whole time, he's not saying much, and I'm announcing things dryly. So I was confident when I said a quick, it's pretty nice, see you around, that he was going to take his leave. I turned around and went in my room. I didn't show him any more rooms or say where anyone stayed. A few moments later, as I'm sitting my stuff down, I turn around and he's in the doorway, silent. I don't say anything, I don't want to invite him in, I want him to go. I just look at him and then start picking up my stuff, moving it around, trying to look busy. He slowly walks up a couple of steps into the room and asks, have you done the coursework yet? I tell him, no. But this time, I assume he's trying to hang out, and I tell him again that I'm planning on napping. He doesn't skip a beat and says, that's okay, I can watch you sleep and help you after it. A smile, no tone, then silence again. I immediately tell him he needs to leave, and follow him until he actually went out of the locking doors, and I know he can't follow me back in. I told a lot of our friends about this, and they were heavily creeped out, and made a point not to leave us alone again. Ever. We finished a year out, and I haven't thought about this guy in a long time. I did not know anything about him at all, still only his name. Flash forward a year, and some change to the summer, when I'm taking a bus ride home from a different part of campus, so it's not my normal route. We get to one of the points where the bus stops and waits until a certain time before it can leave again, and everyone else who's been on the bus gets off at this stop. At this point the driver starts talking to me and asking a lot of questions. I didn't think anything weird at first, and answered what I thought were idle chat questions. So which apartments are you in, and what class are you taking? Then as more and more questions just kept coming, I started to feel uneasy with his mannerisms, and becoming extremely vague in my answers. I still don't know if he always intended to tell me this, but he then stopped peppering me with questions, and began spilling a story of how his son was in my maths class the previous year and he knew all about me, and started giving me a lot of family details. It's at this point that I realised he sounds a guy who wanted to watch me sleep. All the details fit, but I had to know for sure, so I asked him is his son's name, and he smiles and says yes. He then mentioned how he would like to start riding bikes with me, and would I ride bikes with him and his son? I was gathering my stuff by this point, and I decided to get off the bus. There are two doors, one at the front and one halfway, which is closer to me. The doors stay open while the bus is at these stops so people can hop off and on as the driver normally gets off and takes a break. As I'm getting my stuff and getting up the hallway, the door shuts. I look again at the driver, an old man but much larger than my petite frame and build. He is now standing facing me, but the door is still open. He asks again, will you ride bikes with us? I want it off the bus and think the only way is to pacify him. I say yes and I want to make my way to the front door, not knowing how to get around him. He looks pleased, but asks where I'm going. I try and tell him I've decided to walk home, but he still blocks my way and tries to talk me out of it. I'm firm in that I want to walk from here, but he won't move. 
I'm standing in front of him, wishing him to move, but my body is frozen in place. Slowly he decides, give me a number and I'll let you go. I really, really don't want this to happen, but I want off this bus immediately. My first thought is to give a fake, but I'm so glad I didn't, as he immediately dials a number. It was a test. Seeing my phone ring and watching me save his contacts, he moves enough so that I can slide by and make it off the bus. After making it home, I go to block his number and already have multiple missed calls and voicemails from him breathing. The situation was reported and I didn't see him on a route for a long time, but around a year later I was getting on another bus and noticed he was back. I never covered my face and backed off for a public transit faster. This all started last year when I was a 22 year old male and bought my first house. It was a great deal for a piece of property in the area, since it was located next to the party house. Strange people are in and out all the time, lots of screaming at each other at late at night. Two times I knocked on my door to borrow my phone to call the paramedics. It was unpleasant, but most of them were polite and didn't bother me. All but one person. This guy gave me weird vibes from the start. He cornered me one day when I was taking out the trash and introduced himself. I forgot his name almost immediately. I was hurried and I didn't really want to talk. He started hounding me from my own name, which I gave reluctantly, wanting to be rude as a neighbour and I was going to be living here for a while. Then he pressed me for my last name and who my parents were. None of this is particularly strange since we're both First Nations and it's common for people to know each other through family ties and I look really young, I'm often mistaken for a 16 year old. And since he's in his 40s, I didn't think much of it. Just someone my older wanted to know if we were related or something. The whole time he stood way too close, about 2 inches away from me. I started getting uncomfortable when he asked me if my parents were home. I live alone with my dog, but I didn't want him to know that. So I said they were home, at their home, technically not a lie. He then asked me if I work, where I work. He then asked me if I wanted to come party, and motioned towards this seemingly empty party house. This was in the middle of the day. Super uncomfortable now, I ended up not answering and just going back into my house. A few times after that, he tried to talk to me again while taking out the garbage. And being the wimp I was back then, I just pretended I didn't hear him. He'd carry on the conversation himself one-sided, or just repeat my name trying to get my attention, but never said anything particularly alarming. I figured I gave him an inch by talking to him once, and now he's trying to buddy up for me for as a favour or something. I wish that was it, but it's not. Two months later, my root cellar flooded because of a water line to the party house broke. My cellar is a rusty metal staircase down to a concrete hole, with no other exits beyond the stairs which lead up to my front yard. Typically covered with a heavy hatch that sits as part of my desk. I was in the middle of taking buckets of water out when he stood at the top of the stairs and blocked my path. I was terrified. The cellar is so soundproof because it's under my house and I was home alone. My dog wasn't in my house upstairs, which I didn't really have direct access to. I didn't have my phone because I didn't want to get it wet. I told him my cellar was flooded and he took a step down the stairs. I stepped back into the water and he advanced after me. I told him it was all okay, I had it handled, and that he needed to be careful because the water could be electrically charged, and that I was safe because I was wearing rubber boots. Thankfully that made him stop and he left without another word. It was a big fib because my power was off, but it was the only way out I could think of at the time. I waited for about half a minute to be sure he was gone before booking up the stairs into my house. 
I borrowed a sump pump the next day from a family friend, so I wouldn't be stuck in the cellar alone for extended periods of time again. He continued to try and talk to me from time to time, but the water was shut off at the party house, so he was shining up less and less. Eventually the building was evicted. Some people still wandered around the property from time to time, but never him, and it was torn down some months later. Fall came around, and there was a knock on my door. Yep, the neighbour. He asked me if I remembered him. I told him I never saw him in my life. He told me have a safe night and left. I don't know what he was planning on doing or if he was alright in his mind but I'm glad I wasn't there alone with him. Bear with me, I'm not the best writer but I think this belongs here. This is a story about this guy who stalks me. Alright, so basically this happened about 3 years ago, although this guy still tries to contact me sometimes. Let's call him Dean. My dad owns a golf course and we're constantly hiring new people. I worked there every summer up until last year. Dean got hired and I was pretty excited because he was younger and pretty cute. We would talk a lot when we were working and he also managed to get my number so he could text me every so often to see how I was doing or what I was up to. After a while of working with him, I considered him a very close friend and enjoyed his company. I was in my final year of high school and I was planning on going taking a year off to travel around Europe by myself. I started noticing that I would see Dean everywhere. He would be at the mall or the grocery store and basically everywhere that I was. He started texting me really creepy things out of nowhere like he wanted me to have his kids and he wanted to be with me forever. I would hang out with him once in a while too. The last time he hung out he tried to assault me and that was the point where I realised he's dangerous. About a month later, he shows up at my house and tells me he's bought a plane ticket to England and he's coming with me and he's excited and he's never going to leave me again. My dad had to call the police and he was arrested and taken away. A little bit after I leave for a year and when I get back, he's still trying to contact me, messaging me every day. So finally my dad and I agree to meet with him to tell him I'm getting a restraining order and he tells us that he doesn't think he can live without me and he's going crazy. That's the last time I've talked with him in person. But every so often I get a text message from a random number and it freaks me out knowing that he's still living in my area. I'm not sure what I'm going to do if I see him up close. So Dean, let's never meet again. So I saw another post about a school bus and it reminded me of this incident when I was young. My bus route was really long, anywhere between one or two hours and I was one of the last stops. It was on a really rural route with lots of mountains, dirt roads and hollowways. Being a rural area, most of these hollowways were long, windy roads that families and relatives lived on, and normally just one or two families of kids to be dropped off at some points. This meant that if a particular family of kids didn't ride the bus that day, for whatever reason, that the bus tribe would skip the hollow and save off anywhere from 5 to 30 minutes off the total route. How could this ever be a bad thing, right? Well, one particular hollow, about 5 miles long, I had two stops, two different families, but the second family lived down the furthest point. It was easily 3-4 miles past the first family's drop off point, down a crooked, dead end single lane dirt road. It was the worst part of the route each time. Now, on days the second family didn't ride on the bus, if the driver skipped driving all the way to the second family's house, then it could save 20 minutes round trip. Not to mention the stress of driving on a claustrophobic dirt road in a huge hulking school bus. There were also times a family wanted to pick up the kids in their own car at the first stop to save the kids bus time and spare the experience of driving that road. 
So of course, whenever they could, the driver would turn around at the first family drop-off point. However, this was not as smooth as a turn as going the full way to the second family's house. This drop-off point was a small circular area with a couple different driveways spalling off, only one of which was large enough for a school bus to fit, and definitely not big enough for a bus to do a 360 turn on one swoop. But with the help of a large driveway, a three-point turn could get us out of there easy peasy. At most, the bus needed 2 meters of this driveway space and hardly 30 seconds of its time. We do this happily for as long as I can remember, until either new residents moved in or the existing residents of the trailer in this driveway, about 20 meters away, lost their minds. Suddenly there's a large red farm gate at the entrance at the end of the driveway. No possible way for the bus to turn around when closed. For the first few months, whenever we could cut this route short by turning there, the driver would stop the bus during the three-point turn, open the gate, barely reverse into the driveway, pull out, stop the bus again, close the gate back exactly as it was, and get back on the bus and carry on, saving us all 20 minutes of needless driving. Keep in mind, this only happened when the second family either didn't ride the bus or was being picked up at this point, aka not very often. Then one day, we turn up and there's now a lock on the gate. What? So we drive the 20 minutes and carry on. Still, each time we have the chance to turn, the driver would check if it's unlocked. I do not know if it was ever requested to leave it unlocked, but I know from the driver's reactions they wanted it to be. So if it didn't happen to be unlocked, we would take the shortcut and the driver would put it back on the gate as it was. To my knowledge, no one ever complained about this. Then comes the day of the trap. We get to the first drop off, the second family was not riding the bus. Nothing looks amiss, except hey, would you know, the gate's open. I can remember the smile on the driver's face as she puts the bus in reverse and begins to turn. At this point in the ride, it's just myself and three to four other kids, only one being a grade above me and I was barely six years old. Of course I was chatting away with my friend and didn't even notice at first that we had stopped. Once I did start to look around however, to my confusion, there was an assortment of ATVs, four wheelers, side by sides, etc. And actual cars that had pulled out of the side driveways to surround the bus, every single direction. To make it even more confusing, thinking back it was horrific, they all had assortments of firearms, yeah, guns. Now I'm six and I grew up around guns, I wasn't scared by what I saw, but I also didn't realise I was being held hostage at gunpoint. All I remember is a feeling of profound confusion of not being able to work out A. why we're still sitting here, and B. what these people are doing, and even C. why are there other kids crying? Maybe I was blissfully ignorant, but the driver told us to play in the floor and not look out the windows. So me being me, I put my jacket up over the window in my seat and told everyone we could play under my row and I ended up having a great, albeit slightly boring, time waiting. It went on for what felt like hours, and I never looked out the windows during it, but I'm sure it was really only an hour at most, give or take, because our parents started slowly shutting up looking for us. I remember two kids being allowed off before me, then as I was growing truly bored, my grandfather showed up to save me too. He came on the bus, spoke to the driver, and held my hand as we walked back to his truck. No one else sang a word except my cheery goodbye to the driver. All I remember of the gang just staring her down as I walked away and she never moved from her seat in the entire ordeal. I don't know what happened after I left. I know for sure my grandfather and my parents called the school system, but I never heard of any punishments or follow-up. The gate was never left open again, and we still had to drive the route each day, always driving it all the way through, except for those blissful days both families didn't ride and we could skip it altogether.
The same bus driver stayed on the route. She was honestly an angel to remain so calm and collected throughout. 